80% of your immune system is within the gut. So if we can build a healthy digestive system, then we can start to heal our immune system. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Barrett. I'm a board certified chiropractic physician with a passion and emphasis in functional nutrition. We can't wait to add value to your health as well as the health of your family. Thanks for listening in to The Real Health Podcast. Hey, before we jump into today's episode, do me a favor. If you like this episode and you like hearing from Dr. B, share it on your Facebook, share it on your Instagram. We're really trying to get this health movement out. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Real Health Podcast. This is your host, Lane. I've got Dr. B here and we are on episode two. Excited to share a three-part series on autoimmunity. Today is part one where we're going to talk about immune development and why autoimmunity is so prevalent in today's society. Hey, if you haven't had a chance to go back to listen to episode one, make sure you do so. You can learn a little bit about Dr. Barrett and then also three immunity hacks going into the fall respiratory season. So with that, Dr. B, uh, welcome to uh, episode two. How are you, sir? Yeah, doing great. Having a have an awesome week, man. Good Looking week. forward to today's, uh, today's show. Perfect. Well, I wanted to do something I think would be really cool for the listeners. Um, well, I'm going to call this little segment, thought about this on the way over here, was uh, get to know Dr. B. Okay. Just three rapid-fire questions. You can say, Whatever you want to say, pass. Yeah, you can say pass. <laughs> Whatever you want to. So, uh, let's say favorite food: steak all day, red meat. Mm-hmm. How's it cooked? Uh, depends on the cut, but usually I'm going to go with a ribeye, medium rare. Ribeye, medium rare. Okay. Favorite book? Mm. Uh, easy for me. It's the one I read every day. It's the Bible. Mm. Good answer. <laughs> good, good answer. Okay. So, favorite sports team. So, college football, Florida Gators. We, that's uh, debatable. Uh-huh. <laughs> we are recording in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes. So, I, I definitely have to be strong in my in my belief mm-hmm. to, to confess that over radio here in Knoxville. Well, I'll, so I'll tell you, today we record on Thursday. In this past weekend, there was a pretty big game. It was a big game. It was in Knoxville. And you went, and you got to see what a real football game was live. <laughs> yeah, right. you did. Just a couple of weeks ago, I happened to be in Gainesville Ooh, okay. against Tennessee okay. and got to see what a real football stadium was like. Again, debatable. Yeah. But no, the it's, decibels were higher. The energy was higher. Yeah. But no, I'll tell you, Neyland was rocking. It was good. It, my wife, it was her first time to Neyland. We had awesome seeds. It was a night game, Kiffin's return. So there was just so much built up to that. So I'm a college football fan. I'll watch two, you know, low-tier teams play if it's a good game, mm-hmm. just to enjoy the atmosphere. So it was fun. I, Sunday, I woke up. I'll be fully transparent, and I was like, I didn't have a voice, and I was like, I hope I can talk on Thursday. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, but yeah, so so I Florida Fader, Florida Gator fan, unfortunately, but yeah, recording this in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, that's right. And so, all right, so let's jump into today's podcast. Um, anything you want to highlight from? Episode one, transitioning to episode two in this three-part series? Well, the first part was just kind of some immune hacks. Today, I want to kind of get into immunity. Like, what is the immune system? Where does it start? And how do we develop it? And then why does it go awry? Why do we have such a high prevalence of autoimmunity, food reactions, food sensitivities, 
and even um, you know autoimmune conditions like MS, rheumatoid arthritis. So regardless if you're a um, healthy individual planning on having children, this is very important for you, or having babies, having kids, or you're, you, you've been diagnosed with autoimmunity recently, um, or if we just look around at our society, autoimmunity is on the rise. So looking ahead, how do we prevent? Do you, do you think we'll get in today to you know, why do you think autoimmunity is on the rise? Because it is big time. We will. We'll touch okay. base on it for sure. Okay. And then we'll start getting into solutions on future podcasts. Good. Okay. You made a statement last week on the podcast that immunity, and I think it's just worth revisiting because it was such a powerful statement. You said immunity is the ability to fight off infection when you get sick. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times we think I'm not healthy because I have a fever. So we treat the fever, but the fever was designed to kill the virus and it's supposed to be there for a day, maybe two days, maybe three days. And it's okay to get to 102, 103, 104. We start treating that because we think it's a bad thing, prolongs the infection, diminishes our immune system. And so to me, I want to make sure people know immunity is not symptoms or no symptoms. Okay, it's how quickly can you heal from an infection? Because we're going to get exposed, we're going to get a virus, we're going to get bacterial exposure. How quickly can we kill it off and recover and return back to normal everyday activity? Yeah, I mean, for me, a fever, you kind of grow up and you think it's a bad thing. That's right. It's you're, It kind of sounds like you're saying it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a very good thing. It's part of the healing process. Inflammation, fever, body aches. These are things that happen naturally when the virus is being killed. If we were to diminish those effects, then we prolong the infection and we also reduce our immunity, um, in essence, immune memory to future viruses as well. So it's so important in the present, but it's also important in the future to make sure that your immune system is strong and develop it properly. But we're seeing now with with uh, for instance, C viruses, COVID in particular, um, prolonged um, inflammation and secondary effects from the virus because we weren't in a healthy state to go in. So we're seeing that the effects being drawn out for days, weeks, and even months. Yeah, I think I've seen some terminology of long haulers. Is that sure? Long haul syndrome and stuff like that. That's right. Yeah. So today, yeah, I really want to kind of get into where does the immune system start and then how do we build it naturally and then when does it go awry? Yeah, that's so good. This is a part one of a three-part series and what better way to start with where does it start? So where does it start? Well, you know, it really starts, I'm going to, I'm going to say in utero with mom and, and, and baby, but... That's remarkable. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, there's... Plenty of research that supports the, for instance, if a, if a mom consumes probiotics during pregnancy, it reduces the child's risk of type 1 autoimmune diabetes. Wow. All right. So wow. then when you develop, and then delivery, whether it's a vaginal birth or cesarean section, is very important because that vaginal birth is going to get that flora, the vaginal flora, to kickstart the baby's immune system. And also, it helps start the nervous system. And the nervous system has a huge role in regulating immunity as well. So it starts in utero, birth, but it really kicks into gear when we start feeding that baby. So the question is, what are we feeding it? So, okay, 
if it begins in in your row, you're saying that. What, that's it. Sounds like, but that's one of the most important thing is good nutrition for someone that's pregnant or become pregnant. I mean, that sounds like that's one of the most important things that someone can do as soon as they learn that they're they're pregnant. Yeah, you know, it's very important, not just from a development standpoint of the child in the womb, but the future development of the child through the generation, through their years, through their decades, as they grow, what you did in utero can literally dictate how, how healthy they will be in the future. So probiotics? I would. Every time, um, you know, a, 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 a client of mine, a patient of mine is going to... Um, is coming into the office pregnant, we're going to put them on a high-quality prenatal, high-quality DHA-based omega-3 fatty acid and a nice blended, varied probiotic, usually around 25 to 50 billion organisms a day. And then we want to support that with a good, clean, paleo-like nutrition plan. So that was going to be my next question. How much does nutrition play a role in immunity beginning yeah so it's 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 vital it, it is it is the biggest piece of the pie and uh and if you can feed the flora within your gut as a mom that's going to transfer a healthy immune system to the baby so yeah. quality food a lot of quality vegetables and fruits to feed the gut helps that um immune system develop properly for not only the mom in pregnancy, but obviously for the baby. Yeah. I, I will say from firsthand experience, as, as we are recording this, I have an almost two-month-old. And uh, my beautiful wife, Chelsea, has been under your care this whole time and unbelievably healthy right now. And mama and baby, and I've seen it firsthand. And, you know, his immunity seems like it's just, it's great right now. And so, yeah, even, you know, a lot of infants come in and within the first few months they have eczema Mm. and, and all, all I see is food reactions, food reactions, food reactions within infants. Well, that had to start in mom. The food reactions and intolerances were actually already in mom and happened to transfer to baby. Do you see a lot of that? Oh, a lot. It's, 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 I've seen it more in the last few years than I did, you know, when I started in practice 12 years ago, exponentially more. Well, I got to ask you why. I mean, why do you think that's the case? Well, again, every generation is getting sicker. Every generation is, is more dependent on medication. Our nutrition is depleted. If we look at our food source today, the mineral and vitamin content today compared to 50 years ago is substantially less. So we have less minerals, less vitamins. Less bacteria because everything's sprayed, washed, and, and chemically exposed. Um, and so we're so sterile that our immune systems are becoming hyper-responsive or hyper-reactive to our environment. And then the mom doesn't even know it because it's it's subtle. You don't know autoimmunity in what we would call the, the activation phase or that pre-autoimmune phase. You don't know it. Maybe a little bit of fatigue, headache, maybe some hormone imbalances. Maybe it was difficult to get pregnant. But a lot of people are walking around pre-autoimmune, and if they don't do anything about it, it's going to go full-blown autoimmunity by the time they're mid-30s, 40s, for sure. So it, it is because of our hyper-sterilization, our po- poor nutritional quality that we're seeing a lot of this. And, uh, and yeah, again, it starts with the parent, and it just gets transferred to baby. So I'm trying to – I've got a question in my mind as far as if they're pre auto immunity that that's a terminology that you used 
how do they identify? I mean, how would they know that they have that? It's difficult from a medical standpoint. Okay. You know, they're going to wait till the brain scan shows sclerosing to call it MS. Mm-hmm. They're going to wait for those knuckles to swell um, randomly and then do a titration on blood eval and say, hey, yeah, you have rheumatoid arthritis. But we run a couple panels in office through a company called Cyrex Labs to identify autoimmunity in the activation phase to get ahead of it. And so you really have to work with a functional nutrition and functional medicine provider to look deeper than wait for it to break to find a solution. And my opinion from what it seems as if that's kind of the way the world and the culture is like, let's wait to see the symptoms instead of going at it from a functional medicine standpoint. Well, here in the South, we say, if it ain't broke, don't fix That's it. it. That is right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So we we apply that to everything. Oh, I feel okay. I'm good. I what, just, is, what are some of the signs, though? That's the thing. Like, I guess some people just don't know some of the signs. Well, a lot of the times early on, it's it's sluggishness, difficulty losing weight, brain fog, headaches, and body aches, or just fatigue, malaise. Rant, if you're getting sick more often... Um, your gut is just not right, bloated digestive system, um, irregularity in your cycle, male, just low testosterone levels and just feeling depleted. Those are, those are the kind of the early signs that I'm saying, hmm, there's something more here, mm. especially the ones that uh, are changing their nutrition even. And 30 days in, they're like, man, I still feel like garbage. You're like, yeah. okay, there's more, more to it than, than you're just depleted. I'm going to ask you this question, and this may be an opinion question, but where, how do we get a society to start thinking in the way of let's find the root cause instead of putting a Band-Aid on it? How do we, how do we, how do we fix that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if there is a solution because um, it's, it's really just one person at a time. Hmm. Unfortunately, the content that we provide over podcast radio will never compare to the pop, to, to, to the content provided on a TV show between shows called a commercial that's being sponsored by Big Pharma, their voice is so big it will never be we'll never be able to catch up. So that's the reality: is um, one person at a time, one story at a time, and one testimony at a time. And sooner or later, we're seeing it. We're losing quote unquote. We'll call it faith. We're losing belief or faith in our medical system because it's failing us. We are the most, quote-unquote, prosperous country, yet we are the sickest. We are of developing nations. We are, we are the sickest. We have one of the lowest, um, or excuse me, we're going to say highest infant mortality rates. Like, how do we have one of the highest infant mortality rates? The second cause of disease or death in our country is iatrogenic disease. Not, not heart disease, actually. It's iatrogenic disease, which so is find that real quick. Medically induced disease. Medically, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we screwed up. And that's really what it means. A side effect from a medication or a screwed up surgery. Second leading cause of death in our country. So we are losing faith. People are turning around and saying, hey, let's look at this differently. And hopefully that continues. Um, because now, even just came out recently that the FDA is banning a natural supplement called NAC or N-acetylcysteine. So N-acetylcysteine is a precursor to glutathione, one of the, the most powerful antioxidant in the body. In order for detoxification to occur, in order for you to regulate immunity, 
glutathione has to be high. Actually, there's research that shows people um, that have like long haul syndrome associated with COVID really have a depleted glutathione system. And something really interesting when we look at N-acetylcysteine as a precursor to glutathione, it's like, why are they taking it off the market? It, it doesn't have side effects. So I'm going to pause you. So you're saying a big word that I can't even pronounce right now. So that, so it is a, what is that? It's, it's, it's simple. It's an amino acid. That's all it is. So, you and know, are the building blocks of protein. That's right. Correct. Okay. It's just a okay. little piece of protein structure. Okay. And so, um, in acetylcysteine is a type of cysteine or cysteine is a pro- uh, amino acid found in, in protein. Got it. Okay. So it is again, as safe as safe can be, uh, right now it's being studied for 12 different, um, in 12 different specific COVID studies to reduce its effects. But this is even something interesting that came out with N-acetylcysteine uh, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And it was the effects on influenza. So another virus. And it showed that people um, that were taking N-acetylcysteine, so the, the number needed to treat flu was, it's called an NNT, number needed to treat flu was 0.5, which means for every two people treated with N-acetylcysteine, NAC, one will be protected against symptomatic influenza. And that's huge, right? Two people have flu, one, they're both treated with N-acetylcysteine, only one develops symptoms. Now let's look at this deeper. It's better than the influenza vaccine. Influenza vaccine is 71, meaning 71 people must be vaccinated to prevent a single case of symptomatic influenza. Mm. And even vitamin D that we that we put as such a high piece with COVID and flu is actually 33. The, N, the NNT is 33. So N-acetylcysteine is one of the most powerful immune supporters and its reduction of symptomatic influenza and symptomatic COVID. So the question is, why is it being taken off the market? And again, well, Big Pharma has an N-acetylcysteine medication. Mm -hmm. And so the lobbying is just so strong that they're going to, sooner or later, it's already off Amazon. You can't purchase it on Amazon. It's on my shelves. It's on, you know, certain certain stores. But over time, you're just going to see more of that. You're going to see more of restrictions being a place upon what we can and can't do. And, and, and just an amino acid supplement like N-acetylcysteine is so simple, so easy, and so effective at reducing long-term effects of viruses. So we're going to have to educate ourselves and be even ahead of Big Pharma's next steps, right? And so that's where, you know, immunity is, is so important. So immune system development really starts in utero vaginal birth, and then breastfeeding. Breastfeeding is so vital to get probiotics and immune stimulants in a healthy way. And these these products of breast milk called oligosaccharides, and these are really important to establish the gut lining. So what we know about immune system going awry or going in a harmful way, and why we have so many food intolerances, food allergies, is that the gut permeability is broken down. So you're supposed to have a strong barrier to your digestive system. And it's, not a, it's, it's supposed to uh, prevent certain proteins and antigens to get across the barrier. And the problem is, if our gut permeability isn't strong, then we're leaking these proteins into the blood, creating an immune response, a, a hyperreactive immune response to those food proteins that then result in food allergies or food intolerances or food sensitivities. So gut permeability is one of the most important components 
and creating a healthy immune system and preventing autoimmune conditions. So gut with probiotics, um, it's the, I've heard of the terminology, it's the second brain, or it's, it's one of the most important things is having a good, good gut biome. That's right. And making sure, because right now, I mean, you know, even, even growing up, I had some severe food allergies and those since have subsided. But as a rule of thumb right now, it seems as if in the, um, the younger population and the kids, there are rampant food allergies. Oh, absolutely. There are. Number one of them, yeah, I think peanuts probably Mm -hmm. is still just a huge food allergy. Yeah. Peanuts, we see dairy, eggs, um, and and grains, gluten in particular. And, uh, and if we look, it's in the vaccinations that are hyper-reactive to our immune system that creates gut permeability. So we don't breastfeed, or if we do breastfeed, unfortunately, mom's already in a sickened state, weakened state. Um, we don't give living organisms or probiotics to our infant or f- even for the mother. We hyper-vaccinate. I mean, we look at how many vaccinations are out there today. It's, it's so, it's, there's so many. There are, there are so many vaccines that a child's going to get before they're even a year, one year old. Um, and then we hyper-sterilize our environment. We think everything has to be antibacterial, which again, the more exposure to your environment is, is, is better for your building immunity. Um, so we hyper-sanitize. And then we consume so many xenobiotics and uh, antibiotics, medications and antibiotics that actually continue to disrupt our gut flora. So when baby has an ear infection at, at, at six months old or nine months old or one year, then they go to the pediatrician and get antibiotic instead of going to a chiropractor and getting adjusted or instead of resolving that in a, in, in a natural way. And so just all... all all of these factors play a huge role with gut permeability. And then what happens is when the immune system starts to become dysfunctional, then it becomes sicker. And when we say sicker, they just stay sicker longer, right? Immunity is, hey, I didn't fight this very long, so I now I need another antibiotic. And sooner or later, another antibiotic and another antibiotic. And now kids are living off antibiotics and steroids. Um, and so what does that do? Well, that shortens the life of their thymus gland, which regulates their immune system. It continues to create gut permeability breakdown. And then we're asking the question, why does my kid have eczema and psoriasis? And why do they have all these ear infections and allergies and asthma? And, uh, and then sooner or later, you know, autoimmunity, it's because of their first few years of life. Mm-hmm. So if, um, let's say that some parents have kids that have some developed some autoimmunity, what are some of the steps that they can do for themselves, their family members to, to see what the root problem is? Yeah, well, the first thing is you got, you got to work with a practitioner in your area to um, find the root cause. You know, you, you have to be able to identify okay, what triggered your immune system to this significant degree um, to create this immune effect. But uh, even just right now, without going to that step of running, you know, panels, uh, start with building the digestive system back up. 80% of your immune system is within the gut. So if we can build a healthy digestive system, then we can start to heal our immune system. And you can start at any time. Um, so, uh, you know, parents always come in the office. They just, Johnny just came off a round of antibiotics. What do we do? Well, we just start immediately feeding that gut with healthy flora 
healthy probiotics, vitamin A, D, E, K, to help that intestinal barrier permeability get stronger. And so first step is let's heal the gut. And, uh, and there's some practical ways to do that. And that's so counterintuitive to what I feel as if we hear heal the gut. You don't, you don't really hear that a lot in the, in the society. It is covered up with some, some medicine, unfortunately. And I think that fixing the gut, from what it sounds like, is one of the most important things that anyone can do. Well, for the immune system, it is. And, uh, and, and here's a couple practical things that you can do at home to start building the digestive system. The first one, I would, I would get a good quality probiotic. One of my favorite companies called Claire Labs. It should be refrigerated or it might be a spore-based probiotic that you can that's shelf-stable. That's fine. But I would start with a good quality probiotic. You're going to spend 30 40 50 bucks on easily for a quality probiotic. So lots of strands. And I was about to say, how many strands? Kind of go into what would a parent would want to look for. Yeah. Well, you're going to look on the back of the bottle, make sure if it's a just kind of classic refrigerated probiotic that it's going to have you know maybe eight, nine, or ten strands um, of different types of bacteria, lactobacillus and bifidobacterium specific species. And then you want it to be about a 25 billion dosage that you can you can usually take uh, you know twice. Uh, double that up per day. So you're doing about 50 billion a day on that probiotic. Let me ask you this question. How often do you change that? Yeah. Can you roll with a probiotic and stick with one forever or do you need to change it up? Well, one of the most important things to remember, that's a great question. And I get that asked a lot from parents. Uh, The two most important things with gut bacteria is diversity and quantity. So we want a lot of good bacteria, but we want a lot of good different bacteria. So there should be a lot of different strands. That's why I like to rotate my probiotics and, uh, and say, hey, this is be on this for a couple months and be on these spore-based organisms for a couple months and let's switch these back and forth. And that's why it's so important to eat diverse. The more diverse carbohydrates we consume from plants, so greens, oranges, yellows, right, purples, all of them have a different antioxidant that feeds the gut in a different, and feeds different bacteria in the gut. So it's so important to not eat the same foods and feed Johnny the same foods again and again, or else they're not going to create diversity in the digestive system. And then they're going to feed one particular species leading to something we would call small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. So what we want to do is make sure that we're consuming a, a, a vast uh, a variety of different plants. And we also want to make sure that when we do are on a probiotic that we want to switch that up as well. Okay. Yeah, I've wondered that um, in the past. And so I interrupted you a little bit right before you you were going to talk about no. the probiotics. Yeah, you know? probiotics, that's about the dosage you want. I would say the second thing that we want to start doing to build a healthy gut is reduce sugar intake. So sugar is just going to inflame the digestive system. It's going to, it's going to be like little BBs that just run through the intestinal tract. And as an adult, sugar and the second biggest offender is alcohol. Mm. So alcohol, we think about liver, but actually you should be thinking about the gut. And remember, if, if Johnny or your gut lining is disrupted, guess what other lining is identical to the gut lining? The brain. So anytime we have gut permeability, we almost always will have blood-brain barrier permeability. And that's why when you eat something and you get brain foggish or get a headache or migraine, mm-hmm. it's because now those proteins have not only crossed the gut barrier, but now they've crossed the blood-brain barrier and they're creating inflammation within the brain and it should be protected. So 
The second thing is definitely reduction of sugar and alcohol as an adult, as that's very important to help create a healthy gut barrier. It's kind of like if if what you're eating is making you feel bad and have a headache, then why are you eating it? <laughs> that's kind of, kind of the way I think about it. Some people just live in that headache state, though, man, and they don't know what's causing what isn't. And I mean, for instance, it takes about um, 45 days, 50 days for gluten protein to be you know removed from the body. 45 days? Yeah, it's the half-life. Wow, okay. So what we have to do is we have to be off food long enough to know if it's actually having an effect on us and then reintroduce it. Um, and I would say the third practical step for someone at home, if they want to start brand building uh, a healthy gut, is take in what we call mucilaginous food products. So um, chia seeds, when you soak them, they have this like mucusy kind of feel to them. <laughs> okay. Wait, I get them stuck in my uh-huh. mouth all the yeah, time. Yeah. I don't really know if they're good for you. I just I put them in the shade because yeah, they're great. They're very good. Okay. And actually that mucus kind of look to it, I know it sounds gross, but that's actually what heals the gut lining. Wow. Okay. Okay. So um, there's tea called slippery elm tea. There's marshmallow roots. There's chia seeds. Those are, and, and even the kind of the gooiness that's found in kombucha, mm. those are mucilaginous products that are very good at healing the gut lining. So consuming kombucha or consuming slippery elm tea or chia seeds, all of those are going to be very good for the digestive system and healing that gut barrier. And then the fourth thing I think is vitamin, uh, fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, K, are very important to have as a nice blend. I would find a blended A-D-E-K and take that daily to heal that intestinal barrier as well. So say that again. You said it kind of fast. So A-D-E and K K. are the four fat-soluble vitamins that you want to take to heal the digestive system. And so define fat-soluble for the listener. Like why why that? Yeah, so most vitamins are what we call water-soluble. If you take too much, you're going to pee them out. And there's other ones called fat soluble, so they're just bound differently. And so when you consume them, your body doesn't just like convert them like a water based, where you just pee them out. They can accumulate in the body. That's why it's important to not overdose ADEK because it can bioaccumulate in the body and can be hard on your liver processing that amount. That's why you don't want to take 10,000 IUs of vitamin D every day for the rest of your life. You're going to have way too much of that. You just walk outside and get some sunlight. That's right. So with part one coming to a close, anything else you want to share about uh, autoimmunity? Well, I I really want to dive in next week and talk about the main cause of of when autoimmunity becomes triggered um, through infections. Okay. And so what we know right now is we have food reactions that are really, really prevalent because of our gut permeability. So start healing the gut and we can reduce food reactions but what happens when food reactions are there and our immune system's in such a weak state that we start creating a hyper reaction to certain bugs or what we call pathogens. Okay. So that would be like mold, viruses, bacteria, parasites. Ooh, that's going to be good. And, and yeah. then inevitably Lyme disease. Um, so so how, how do those pathogens actually at the core of them create autoimmunity like ms or a patient just two days ago i i I did a workup on him young male 30 years old goes to his rheumatologist they diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis told me he had to be on these medications that could cause cancer Mm -hmm. for the rest of his life came in to see me we did a workup we found black mold Mm. we found um, a virus and klebsiella which is a bacteria okay 
another type of bacterial infection that's commonly associated with rheumatoid arthritis. And so we found the cause mm -hmm. of his RA, which means we can create the solution to heal. That's all part of the discovery phase like you talked about discovery last week. Discovery phase, that's right. Mm, that's so good. Episode or part two next week. I, I could record it right now if you want to after this. <laughs> Let's just do that. But uh, thanks for today, part one. Um, anything else you'd like to add? Nope, not at all. No. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the Real Health Podcast with Dr. B. We will see you next week for part two on autoimmunity. Before you hit X, hold on one second. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today with Dr. B. Two things that would really help the Real Health Podcast movement. One, share it on your social media, your Facebook, your Instagram, wherever you're on a social network. And two, if you go to Apple Podcasts and you scroll down, give us a five-star rating and give us a review. Thanks so much for your time, and we'll see you next episode. Yeah, I'm recording. Good. Good. Check, check. Yeah, I do. Man, I'm actually really excited. This is probably the best challenge I've put together. And I've been in, I've been doing it for 12 years and really when I sat down and processed what I was going to do to reach such a large audience um, and and create such a program that allows people to succeed in such a way that when they're done, they can't realize uh, it's 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 um, it's shocking how far they've come. Yet they've taken just baby steps. It's it's cool. I really am so excited.
Yeah. I um the end goal was to kind of create almost like a 75 hard at the end. So at the end of the at the the 75th day, you're you've stacked all these habits where you're like, "Hey, I'm doing 75 hard in essence, but I'm doing it on the 75th day, but the first day is so practical. It's like a toe in the water. Uh, you just take a small step, and all of a sudden, at the end of it, you realize, hey, I'm drinking half my body weight in ounces. I'm sleeping seven to eight hours a day. I'm reading. I'm exercising, training 45 minutes a day. I'm eating clean. I haven't had alcohol in a month. I haven't had sugar in a couple weeks. And so that's when it's all starting to stack, and you're like, wow, how did I end up here? And then you're like, hey, let's let's keep this thing going, and that's what's exciting. Come on. It is. Yeah, the first step. Yeah, the first step is we want just some good data. And so data can be hard, can be tricky. Um, you know, most people will just kind of stand on a scale, but that's not it's not really great data, especially if you're going to be training. So um, so first off, we want to journal uh, some good data. So yeah, we want you to weigh in. So what's your beginning weight in pounds or kilograms, wherever you're at? Um, Preferably, we'd like to have someone get a body fat analysis. So we actually look at how much lean mass they have versus true body fat percentage. Um, that's a good uh, data point. And then taking pictures. So just kind of a front to back side views uh, and back to front view so that we can get some good pictures of overall body composition change. Because again, the scale number kind of lies to you, but pictures don't. And so you can actually see the body composition swings, which are awesome. Um, and then we're going to take some measurements. So the measurements are going to be mainly one of the bigger uh, weight issues are, are in, around the, the belly. And that's actually the most unhealthy weight because that's around your visceral organs. 
And so we know that that directly leads to chronic disease. So if we get a centripetal loss of fat, um, we know that we've just upgraded an individual's health, which is really cool. So we're going to take a measurement. Yeah, honestly, it's it's the largest part. So you you kind of look at what's what's hanging out the furthest in front, and then you take uh, you you take it from that point. So uh, um, that's that's it, it could be belly button, it could be a little bit higher up, and it could be a little bit lower down, but just the larger part of the abdomen. And then that's exactly right. Those three. So mid belly. Uh, of the um, bicep, so the, the belly of the muscle. So, um, and then, yes, around the waist. And then the last one, obviously, is around the mid-thigh. Um, so those are the three measurements. And we'll, we'll send out an actual a video. Uh, I'll record a video on where to uh, do those measurements. I'll do it on a client and then, and, and then have you guys upload that for, the, for everyone so they can see it. <laughs> I'm not trying to get that type of tension. And then uh, we have um, a journal, a preliminary journal, because we're going to change our hydration, our sleep. So we just want to kind of get an idea of, hey, what's your current water intake? Like true current water intake. And so that may be zero. Like I've heard people don't drink water, you know, and it's pure water. It's not like water in sweet tea. It's just pure water, right? So yeah, that's exactly right. There is. There is. So we're looking for that clean, clear water. How much of that are we drinking a day? Um, how much sleep are we getting? And then on a scale of one to 10, what's your energy levels like? like 10 being, I mean, I'm soaring high, feeling incredible, no down uh, shoots throughout the day overall just kind of on top of things and then we also want to look at how well you perceive your handling stress so it's different than saying how much stress I have because we all have a can have a busy schedule but if overall we feel like we're handling it well then that's a representation of how well our nervous system is recovering and there's a few things that go into that, like exercise, sleep, and nutrition. So that's why I like to ask the better question of, hey, how do you perceive your handling stress? Not how much stress you actually have. So if you're knocking out of the park and you feel like you're on top of things, then you're going to score that as a 10 and one being like, hey, life is smacking me in the face and I can't get up. So that's those are the the, the early journal entries that we want to create on day, day zero so that when we do continue this journaling process, um, and at the end of it, we can see our progression, see our goals, and uh, and see how far we've come. So that's the journal piece.
Yeah, there's a foundation. So what we want to say is, hey, this is your minimum. This is your this is your floor, okay? This is what we're standing on, the foundation of everything else. We're going to build upon these four things. So day one, we want you to be drinking 40 ounces of water per day. Now, if you're drinking more, great. But at the minimum, we want 40 ounces of pure water daily. We want you to walk 15 minutes a day. If you're walking, training hard already, great. But at the minimum, we want that 15 minutes of walking per day. And it's always best to do that after a meal. We want six and a half hours of sleep. And then the last thing we want is 10 minutes a day. We want to be intentional with either reading, studying the Word of God, praying, meditating. But 10 minutes a day of devoted, intentional quiet study time is the other element that we want to build off of. And then at the end, here's what's kind of cool looking ahead. At the end of this 75-day journey, if you do simply what's asked of you every five days, you'll be consuming a minimum of 100 ounces of water a day. You'll be sleeping seven hours. You'll be training 45 minutes a day. You'll be studying or reading and praying 30 minutes a day. You'll have no sugar for two weeks. You'll have no alcohol for 30 days, and you'll you'll actually accomplish accomplish your first one day water fast. So that's that's the cool thing that looking ahead at the end of the 75 day road. I like to stack it. So I like to do half in the morning and half before bed because one, um, in Jewish culture, actually when the sun goes down, it's the next day. So if we think about that already in our head, we think about, hey, as that sun goes down and I'm getting ready to go to sleep, I'm already creating um, preparation for my next day by what I do right before I go to sleep. So I like to do about five minutes before bed, reading, studying, praying, or meditating, doing my breath work. And I like to do that always in the morning when I wake up to set my quote-unquote day right as well. So I like to do most of my, my time in the morning, but I always add an evening piece as well. That's right. I, I stacked caffeine at, at, at day five after 2 p.m. because of what it does to set us up for success. So the half-life on caffeine is about, is about seven hours. 
So when we think about our preparing for bed in the next day, if we're consuming caffeine at three, four, five o'clock, it's actually going to really disrupt our sleep. And we're trying to heal. We're trying to recover. We're trying to break addictions. So I say, hey, drink as much caffeine as you want, but at two o'clock, cut it off. We need to cut off caffeine past two so we can allow that stress hormone called cortisol to drop down and melatonin to drive up because those two can't be made at the same time. And so that's why I cut that off on day five. So immediately what we're doing is setting our nervous system up for success to heal and to recover and, uh, and get a good night's sleep. So that's the, that's the caffeine challenge, day five. And that's it. And that's it. Day five, it's as simple as that. All we want, same, same foundation, actually from day one all the way to day nine, except at day five, we're cutting off caffeine past two. Yeah, you did. Hey, dude, listen, that's huge. And that's what it's all about, man. Uh, you know, habit stacking and doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so that's awesome. Yeah, every five days there's a new challenge. So now day 10 what we're doing is we're, we're, uh, we're helping stabilize blood sugar by uh, ma- making you go to three meals a day with no snacking. Three meals a day with no snacking. And why this is so important is because one of the biggest health crises we have is dysregulated blood sugar, which means that you eat a little bit and then you get super tired. So you eat a little bit, you get tired, you eat a little bit. And what that does is it puts your body in a constant state of storage, storing, storing, and you actually never get into fat burning. So when you eat three meals a day, there's also this other caveat. We want you to wait at least four hours between breakfast and lunch, four hours at minimum between lunch and dinner, and then we want at least 12 hours between dinner and your breakfast, four, four, 12. Because again, what we're trying to do is allow your body to burn fat to stabilize your blood sugar and your energy levels. And the only way we do that is by creating a three meal a day, no snacking plan. The other things that we're adding on day 10 is no sitting for more than 60 minutes. So every 55 minutes, you're getting your butt up and you're walking, okay? So we're not going to sit in a chair, grinding away. It's just, hey, five minutes, let's get up and let's go for a walk. We're going to now increase our daily walking or exercising that we're using walking as our means to exercise to 20 minutes a day. So we're increasing that by five minutes. And then we've increased our water intake from 40 ounces on day one. Now on day 10, it's 50 ounces of water. So those are the four additions that we're doing on day 10. Two weeks in. 
That's right. And, and all we're doing is habit stacking. So now, even on day 15, right? So the next challenge, all we're doing is we're um, changing a couple other areas that we haven't really changed yet. And so one of those is increasing from 10 minutes a day to 15 minutes a day of study and prayer. And so that could be seven and a half in the morning, seven and a half at night, or all one one chunk. And then also, hey, for those soda drinkers out there, you're only down to one soda a day. So that, that's a health challenge specifically to uh, those that drink soda uh, or pop, whatever you call it, depending upon what part of the world you're living in. So that's day 15, those two challenges, and we're still rocking and rolling. We haven't really shaken the boat too much. Yeah, that's a good point. That's right. That's a good that's a good point. All right. Well, I'm about to whoop your butt on day 20. <laughs> Bro, you could have 5 right now. It, it don't matter. As long as it's as long as it's with a meal, right? Because there's yeah. Yep, so you can't have like a, hey, let's just kind of have a pre-party dinner for an hour and then eat an hour later. Like you could have a beer with your dinner, you could have a beer with your lunch, but it has to be integrated into one meal. So that's an important part to uh, consider. <laughs> that's good. Well, you ready for day 20? All right, so this is a big one. This is, uh, I, I didn't know how to frame it, so actually my team helped me with this. And uh, we wanted to eliminate sugar, but didn't know how to frame it, so we call it sweets and treats. And so what that means is, if you eat, obviously, out, you're usually going to have sugar in it, okay? There's sugar in fruit, right? There's sugar in sauces, but we're talking about, you know, the dirty stuff, right? Candy bars, donuts, Right, sweets, the church green room. <laughs> Bro, I was uh, I, I spoke at uh, Faith Promise here in Knoxville with with my pastor a little bit ago, and uh, in that room, I was just hanging out. I'm like, oh, this ain't gonna work. This is not gonna work. So so no sweets, treats, and so that's yeah, that's your cookies, candies. Um, so we're gonna eliminate those. Obviously, we want it to be integrated into whole meals, um, and then we want to actually, now we're starting to make some nutrition changes, right? So we are adding vegetables to your meal. So all we want is if you look at your palm, we want a palm size amount of vegetables with just one meal every day. So from day 20 to 75, one meal a day, you choose the meal, we want a palm full of some type of vegetable, which is a plant um, that grows outside that you have to cook or, or, or eat raw. So 
So I know it's crazy. You got you might you might have to shop. Yeah, there might have to be some shopping involved on that. And Yeah, and that's not too bad, man. Things are looking pretty good. That's right. That's right. Uh, we got also uh, we're increasing our walking from from twenty minutes to twenty five minutes per day. And then we are consuming from 50 to 60 ounces. So if you look, every 10 days, we're, we're putting an emphasis on increasing our walking or exercise and increasing our water. So we were intentional with that on day 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and 70. So day 20, no sweets, treats, veggies, 25 minutes of walking per day, and 60 ounces of water. Day 25. Yeah, so we're going to do now. This is where a, a cool new challenge kicks in. We're going to help people overcome stress and anxiety by implementing one of the tools I teach my patients every day in practice. This is called box breathing. So we're going to add this health challenge on day 25 called box breathing. We're going to do two and a half minutes per day, which can be a part of of your meditative prayer time, okay? So what box breathing is, is developed really by the Navy SEALs. It's to calm the nervous system down. So I love doing this before bed or any time I feel anxious and stressed. And so it's a four-second breath inhalation through the nose, four-second breath hold at the top, a four-second breath exhalation through the mouth, and a four-second breath hold at the bottom. Four in, four hold, four out, four hold. It's a 16-second breath, roughly four breaths per minute. We'll slow down our breathing so we can calm down our nervous system. When we are stressed, we breathe at the top of our lungs, short breaths. When we're calm and rested, we breathe through our lower diaphragm, and we breathe uh, deep and slow. So uh, this is a really cool technique I'm excited to implement for 50 days. And then we're actually adding in exercise. So we're going to add in, yep, on day 25, the biggest bang for your buck. I mean, when we talk about fitness and exercise, metabolic changes, fat burning, and the effects of afterwards from a time perspective this is the biggest bang for your buck and it's called tabata tabata so tabata is 20 seconds of effort 
And when we talk effort, it's all out effort followed by 10 seconds of rest, complete rest, like stop, catch your breath. And that's a 30 second um, block. So 20 seconds of effort, 10 seconds of rest, 30 second block. And you repeat that eight times, which is four minutes of a workout. That's all we're doing. Tabata, four minutes of working out. So that's 20 seconds of work, 10 seconds of rest for eight intervals. And on day 25, the first movement we're doing Tabata with, anyone can do this. It's jumping jacks. Now, I promise you, even if you're fit and you do all out 20, 20 seconds of effort for eight rounds with only 10 seconds of rest, even myself will be on the ground breathing heavy with Tabata on these jumping jacks. You nailed it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you want to keep rolling? Okay, let's do it. Day 30. We eliminate soda. Now, we're at... gone. It's gone. Like, never to see you again. 45 days. Adios. That's right. And then uh, we're going to try a new vegetable every week from here on out. So every single week, hey, you're going to try something different, which really kind of puts us in a position where, you know, for the next six weeks or so, we're going to have to try a vegetable that we may not necessarily enjoy. But we're going to help you just expand your palate a little bit and just try something different and stretch you out a little bit. No fast food. No fast food starting on day 30. Okay. This is hard. So this is now, now we got to start meal prepping our stuff. We, that's right. So, you know, fast food, Fast food is the traditional like drive-through. That's what we're calling fast food at this point. Now, if it's an actual, hey, go in and sit down and eat, yeah, that's not fast food. But we're talking about the big chains, obviously, out there. And most people can keep themselves accountable on what fast food is. But we're going to eliminate that on day 30. And then now, we're adding in more prayer time. Yeah. No, I would not consider that fast food. So that is that is okay. So so fast food in the traditional sense is going to be 
an item that's you know fried, devoid of nutrients, that's um, you know the classic kind of chained drive-through style, and we'll just call it McDonald's, Burger King, Chick-fil-A, Arby's, you know those ty- style of restaurants. If <laughs> Come on. That is pretty good. Agreed. Hey, we haven't said anything about ranch so far, so we're good. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. And you get your vegetables in too on that salad. So we're good. You're good there. We really want to try to, to um, remove more of the, the fried items. That's the that's the big one. And uh, and the fake food, the stuff you can leave in your car and mold doesn't grow on it. That's the. That's weird, isn't it? It really. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 30 minutes of walking. We're increasing our water 70 ounces. Increasing our, our prayer time to 20, study, prayer. And then now, this next cycle of days, okay, these next five days, we're doing Tabata wall sits every day. So you're doing a 20-second Tabata wall sit hold, 10 seconds, shake those legs out, right back into a 20-second hold. And listen, if you if you physically can't hold it for 20 seconds and you, and you just have to stop at 15, that's fine. Then your rest, again, is all the way until that 30-second mark where we pick back up and we get back on the wall, okay? But that's it. Yep, Tabata stays the same. The intervals stay the same. But the next day, try to challenge yourself. Hey, can I, can I get a little bit more? Can I get a little bit more time? Can I get a few more reps? And we always want to be kind of be pushing ourselves each day to get it. That's right. That's exactly right. So we're staying with that movement to try to push ourselves every day to get it one more rep, to get one more second on the hold and do the best we can. And if it's easy, hey, add a little weight on the wall sit, okay? So you can always do that and make it a little bit more challenging, okay? Day day 35. So this is just a, um, a, like a way of, helping your body burn fat and start to help train your body to what we call intermittent fast. So now we're going to start burning some fat, okay? So at day 35, we're actually fasting until noon. You are not from here on out. So from here on out for the next 35 days, what we're going to do, 40 days, what we're going to do is pretty much have an eating window and a fasting window. The fasting window has to be a caloric. So there cannot be any type of sweetener in your coffee or or milk in your coffee, okay? There can't be any type of calorie consumed until 12 o'clock. And then from 12 to 8 p.m., you're, you're eating two big meals per day, okay? So, so this is going to help you start to learn how to stabilize your blood sugar with fat burning and really help reverse this kind of chronic disease metabolic issue that we have. 
So now we've stepped into, for the next 45 days, intermittent fasting, where we consume two meals a day between the hours of 12 and 8 o'clock. And our Tabata changes into push-ups, Tabata push-ups or incline push-ups. So that's like putting your hands on the back of a couch a little bit easier. And we're trying to get another rep or two each day over the next five days. So that's day 35. Day 40 is we're trying we're trying to, to kind of create uh, a broader range in your nutrition. So we want you to try a new paleo recipe. Okay, so something that's lean meat, vegetables, nuts, seeds, fruits, just super clean. Just try one either for lunch or dinner, but just, hey, cook something. That's all we're asking you to do on this day is just cook something on your own. You can do it. And so we're just helping you challenge a little bit in the kitchen by creating your own meal that's wholesome and healing so that inevitably you're going to look back to that and say, hey, I can do that again and again and again. So it, it is, it is. We just wanted to kind of throw that in there and just say, hey, let's, let's challenge you a little bit in the kitchen. Um, That's an awesome idea. Yep, yep, that worked out well. Um, we're going to, on day 40, we're going to increase our walking to 35 minutes a day. Again, this doesn't have to be straight up. You can di- divide this up in a couple walks a day, two, three walks a day, 10 minutes or tw- 12 minutes after each meal, uh, 15 minutes after a meal, whatever, okay? 80 ounces of water, and then now the Tabata changes to burpees step back with no jump. So this is not a traditional burpee, and we'll send a video out every Tabata that changes so you can see the movement. But this is just literally, you put your hands on the floor, you step back, you step back up, and that's it. And you do that as many times as you can. It's honestly, I know this sounds crazy, but we see a lot of people that can't get down and get back up. And so this just kind of helps someone learn that, hey, you can do it, or, hey, we need to train it. And uh, and so you can do it fast. If you're good at burpees, hey, just do a burpee. If not, then we may need to use a couch just to kind of stair-step our way down or a chair. And so it just kind of helps reinforce this, let's get to the ground and let's get back up. Day 40. Day 45, go ahead.
You ready for this one, Lee? <laughs> We're on uh, no alcohol day 45. Yeah. So this is like, yeah, this is like nothing. Yeah. No, no issues. It's just, you know, 30 days. Well, it took us 45 days to get here, but we're going to do a dry 30 days. So no alcohol for the next 30 days. So on day 45. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so day 45, no alcohol. We're going 25 minutes of study and prayer. And we're doing Tabata lunges. Okay. So the movement changes to lunges. And, uh, and we'll, again, attach a video for that. Because there's a couple variations that you can do um, to allow that to happen easier. Bro, that's the power of the body, man. Uh-huh. Oh. And one thing that we always teach is what movement made you sore? The next day, do the same movement to unsore it, you know, just to kind of help it recover. So if you squat, make it sore, you're going to squat the next day. All right, day 50. Hey, our box breathing has now increased to five minutes a day. And and this is inevitably a habit that I want to I wanna just ingrain in people because it's such an amazing stress hack for people. So, um, so on day 50, we're going to... Box breathing five minutes a day. Our sleep is increasing to seven hours. We're going 45 minutes of total uh, walking or working out. We're doing 90 ounces of water, and our Tabata is kind of taking a break off the legs, and we're going into the plank. I forget what the world record was. Uh, that the guy did for, I think it was like 10, 12, 14, I don't even know how many hours. It was probably something like that. I just couldn't, it's unfathomable. It's like... That's it, and then drop to those knees as fast as you can. No, I mean, listen, this is pretty challenging. So um, even if we need to do a plank from our knees... I'll show again, there's a couple variations just to make it so that you can finish it. And then, hey, maybe that fifth day, we're on our feet and hands and we've accomplished the whole Tabata plank. And that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, so something like uh, Tabata hold, you know, it's it's inevitably the only way you're going to make that tougher is to add weight on your back, right? So just say, hey, you know, one of my kids is, is Maddie. Hey, Maddie, come on dad's back for a second. And so she'll jump on my back and that's an extra 60 pounds. Um, so that'll make it tougher. But yes, it's it, increase the weight or increase the speed and that always makes Tabata harder. That's right. That's right. Day 55. Hey, we're going to we're going to throw something out at you again. We're combating stress. So we're teaching stress resilience, stress training so that that overall can decrease your anxiety 
It can improve your depression and how you handle stress. So we're day 55. We're doing a two-minute cold shower. We're doing a cold shower. And so I don't know. Yep, that's right. That's exactly right. So Yeah, that's my style. That's my style. I like to go hot. All right, two minutes cold. Let's go and 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 then back back to hot cuz you don't want to end on a cold shower. That's not cool. So uh, the the most important thing I always tell people, you only want to go as cold as you can breathe through it. You don't want to do two minutes of cold and scream your head off because that kind of defeats the purpose of stress training. Well, you, you want to perceive the stressor, which is cold, and be able to kind of breathe through it and say, hey, I know this doesn't feel good. I know I'm uncomfortable, but I'm telling myself consciously I'm okay. And that's, that's the concept that we're trying to teach is, hey, if we can train our stress resilience that we can literally decide, I'm going to stress my body, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, hey, it's okay, I'm okay, then when unwanted stressors come in your life, you have a higher stress threshold, and so you less chance of being anxious and developing anxiety and panic attacks. So that's the, that's the concept we're trying to teach. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And now we're doing a first, all right, you're getting outside or treadmill, and we're doing a Tabata jog. So this is a 20 seconds, and this is a fast-paced, it could be a fast-paced walk, but preferably, let's try to get those legs moving and get a little trot to us. Now, if you if you can run, this is a dead sprint, right? That's the perception of the end of the 20 seconds. And then you want to just stop. I mean, just breathe through that, recover for 10 seconds or, or very gently walk and then sprint 20, rest for 10 and repeat for eight. So we're doing a Tabata jog or sprint. Yeah, yeah, you can kind of kick your legs off to the side for a second and kick them back on, but you know, that, that can spell danger. Oh, dude, no doubt, man. All right, day 60, no sugar. So the the last two weeks, man, no sugar, 100 ounces of water a day, 30 minutes of studying, praying, reading, and Tabata jump squash, which will burn those legs more than anything. So I'm excited. Day 60, the last two weeks, we're, we're rolling with no sugar now. So this is this is also fruits. This is including fruit, sugars, and um, and even you know who knows you may you may still consume like a like a like a juice or something like that. Like nope, there's no fruits, fruit sugars, juices. This is more just clean lean meats. Okay, this is now nuts, seeds, and veggies. Like we're just really trying to dial this lower carbohydrate um, body. So that we can really burn fat these last couple weeks. This is this is legit paleo at this time. Yep, that's right. These last two weeks. Yep, and then day sixty-five. Just this day, 
we're asking you to track your macros. We want we want you to download like MyFitnessPal, which is free, and there's a couple other free apps. And we just want you to look at your nutrition and say, hey, what is a fat? What is a protein? How much am I actually getting? Because at the end of this, we want to help actually keep you successful and talk about maybe having a follow-up 75-day you know, program for you and just say, hey, this is a good kind of general macronutrient plan heading forward. So just one day, we want you to track your macros. And now we're doing uh, Tabata full burpees, full burpees. So that's chest down, chest up, and a jump at the top. Day 70, yep, 70 is only for today. You're going to fast the whole day. Now, this is, let me give you a disclaimer. If you're, yep, so this is, this is dinner to dinner. So if this happens to fall on a, on a Saturday, Friday night is your dinner at 8. You're going to eat Saturday night at 8. So one, one day, 24-hour water fast, water only fast. And the disclaimer is if you, if you do have severe blood sugar handling issues, diabetes is the big, biggest one that people have problems with, then obviously we don't want you to fast You know, if you're on insulin. That really creates a big disruption. So the disclaimer is in healthy individuals that aren't on medication, then we can definitely fast for 24 hours. If there are concerns, then there, you know, you can actually reach out to me directly. I'd be happy to field any concerns that anyone has as they're going through this and help them develop some type of successful fast. Maybe it's not 24 hours, but we can do something else, okay? That's right. That's exactly right. But hey, the good news is we've already been, you know, a good 10 days without sugar. So we should handle this fast a lot easier than what you expect. See, we've set this program up for success. So even if you're like kind of timid to think about a one day fast, we've already put in some challenges to help your body burn fat without needing food. And so we're set up for success on this one day fast. And then, um, Yeah, that's a good idea. It's a good idea. I may consider that. Hey, last challenge, which is cool on day 70, we're gonna, we're, I want to challenge you to run a mile, walk a mile, or jog a mile as fast as you can. That's it. Hey, if you walk the whole thing, no worries. Just try to walk it a little faster. If you jog it, try to jog it a little faster. And if you're down for a run, hey, run it as far as you can, as fast as you can. And if you need to jog the rest or walk the rest, it's okay. I just want you to do it as fast as possible and just prove to yourself, hey, I just ran a mile in 15 minutes. So you know what? In three months, I'm going to do 1430. It's just a a good data point for you and just to help progress you along even in the future. So day 70, run, jog, walk one mile as fast as possible. And then day 75, the last day, hey, let's just devote ourselves to uh, 35 minutes of study, prayer, and just be thankful for what you've accomplished because, you know, you just knocked this thing out of the park.
Yeah, so I call this the level up your fitness or level up your nutrition. So it's like, hey, I'm already you know training, I'm working out, um, or my nutrition is pretty clean. So how do I take it to another level? Like you know, 15 minutes of walking, it just isn't going to do it for me. Okay, so this is really um, only for the brave because even me, I'm going to be doing this. Like, why not? Like, I'm part of your tribe now. So I'm, I'm going to be doing the 75-day challenge with you guys. And so I was thinking, hey, what, what's practical? How can we level up my our, our fitness? And so this is the 100-rep challenge. And really the concept is you're going to do 100 reps of a particular movement. Uh, every Monday, the same movement. Every Tuesday is the same movement. Every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, those are the same movements. But these 100 reps... You want to do one, as fast as possible, and and then two, if it's easy, then we want to add some load to it, okay? So for instance, like Monday, we're going to squat. So you think, okay, I can, I'm going to do 100 air squats on Monday, all right? And so let's just say that takes me uh, five minutes to do it, all right? So five minutes, do 100 air squats, and then the next Monday, I want to try to do it in 445, okay, or four and a half, right? Let's just say... Man, you're fit, right? So at the end of this thing, you know, you've got all this squatting that you can knock out. What are we going to do to level it up? Add a barbell. You know, squat 95 pounds for 100 reps as fast as you can. I promise you, you'll be begging for a recovery on those legs. Nope, it will not. And so those are the things where when you look at leveling up your your fitness, adding load. So Monday can be a squat, whether it's weighted or unweighted. Tuesdays are going to be push-ups or bench press, like just grab 95 pounds or a couple dumbbells and just knock out 100 reps as fast as you can or push-ups as fast as you can. Sit-ups on Wednesday or a med ball sit-up toss. So just going behind you like a normal sit-up, but you throw it against the wall like a weighted med ball. And then Thursdays, burpees, 100 burpees every Thursday. The only way you really make that fast, uh, harder is go faster. And if you're a stud, then just throw a weighted vest on. And th- that's just a prayer like, hey, when's this thing going to end? And then Friday pull-ups, preferably strict. Um, and, uh, and those that like to kip, I really like the strict component because that really challenges you uh, a little bit more. Saturday's lunges, and then Sunday is rest day. We need to rest the, that body for the next week. And so each week, you'll just try to increase your weight or your time on those 100 reps. But every Monday squats, every Tuesday's push-ups or bench press, every Wednesday, so on and so forth. And that's that, I promise you, you will be full body training very efficiently and, uh, and you'll get more than, than you wanted.
That's right. Yep. And then we also create an opportunity to level up your nutrition. So again, if you feel like your nutrition is pretty much dialed in, then we created this clean eating program that eliminates the, 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 the common big offenders to our nutrition, our diet. And so we'll have that attached as well. If you want a day one, level up your nutrition, you have, you'll have that opportunity as well. I think that's the program. Right. So a lot of times it, it, I know exactly what you're saying. And here's how I like to look at it. Health has to be multifaceted. It has multiple faces. And so we think health and immediately we think exercise harder, more sit-ups for my abs, and I'll change my nutrition a little bit, but it's probably not going to last. And so what we do is we punish ourselves in the gym, hoping to get this external change. But like we said before, abs are made in the kitchen. And so the whole point with this program is it's not just about looking good on the outside, but it's truly healing on the inside. And so when you stack sleep, stress support, nutrition, hydration, walking, just decompressive walking, box breathing, cold showers, these build health not just a temporary external change that we see in a mirror, because sooner or later, what we realize is we're never going to be good enough. We're never going to look good enough. We're never going to look in the mirror and say, hey, wow, I've reached it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the exact body composition I want. I mean, even myself, I can't look in the mirror and see myself as like, hey, I've made it. I look great. I'm 10% body fat, 185 pounds. I feel great. I do triathlons. It's still not good enough. And that's the flesh in us all. We always want more. And so for me, it's like, hey, hold back there, racehorse. Let's just stack these fundamental health challenges and create an overall picture of health, not just an external change. 
And I think, and, and I think that's really where we, we have to see health differently, not just hard exercise and nutrition. That's right. That's it, and, and that's exactly right. If you want to, if you want to do twenty minutes in the gym, you don't have to do the hundred rep challenge, or you know, absolutely, man. For me, that's a decompressor, that's a stress reliever. So, do what you've already been doing from a health perspective that you've ingrained that you enjoy, but just add these other components. That's awesome. Oh, me too, man. I, I do. I, I need to challenge myself in, in certain areas that I feel like I'm, I'm kind of kicking kicking butt in, and it feels good to PR. Um, but then you look at these other areas, and you're like, oh, man, I'm starving these out because I'm putting so much energy in one. And then sooner or later, when we don't have the one, then we feel like a failure. I've got one in my garage, man. I, I I hit it every morning. That's like my prayer closet, and so it's. I love them. I think they're phenomenal. They build stress resilience. They help detoxification. So I'm all into showers, and then I leave my pool open during the winter because I do cold cold plunging in my pool, and and so I'm all about any 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 kind of like hack to elevate my health for sure. Yep, we are. The only thing that we ask you to continue to measure throughout the program is energy and stress. Energy and stress. And so we do, yes, that those two are really good parameters um, on how our progression is going from an energy and stress management standpoint. But a full body composition, uh, stepping on a scale, taking pictures, we're going to do that at the end, the 75 days. I'm excited. I was actually, I got so, uh, seriously, I've gotten so excited about the program that I told my team, I said, hey, we're getting our patients on this. Like, we didn't just write this up for nothing. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm pushing hard on all my clients that, you know, can't do the two-week fast that we just put together or whatever. I'm like, hey, this is for everyone.
Bro, I think we could too, man. And if a thousand people, on average, at the end of seventy-five days, lost twenty pounds, we just lost twenty thousand pounds, man. Come on, ten tons. Let's roll. One hundred percent, man. I'm clearing my schedule out. We're going to make it happen. Yeah, that sounds great, man. I, I, I'll look forward to that. Let's go. Okay, we're set. Great. Clap so thing. I'll count to four. We'll clap the fun one, one. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Good. Well, hey, everybody. I'm today to be back with Dr. Barrett. We're just going to do a quick check. Of, sorry. Hey, everybody. Uh, we're thrilled to be joined again by Dr. Barrett. So we're going to just check in. We're about halfway through. So this weekend, we crossed over the halfway point for the MXU 75. So Dr. Barrett Dubert is with us again, and we just wanted to do a halfway check-in. We'll, we'll check in again at the end, but just wanted to sort of get some of your questions answered and then maybe to get some power tips. Now that we're halfway through, um, we'll kind of see what we can do to – just keep it going, keep the ramp up going, and as we move toward the end, how to finish strong. So, Dr. Barrett, thanks so much for being with us today. Oh, absolutely, man. Always a pleasure, always a privilege. Um, and I, I just love the, the community and everything I see, everything that's being shared, and it just it excites me. So how's the halfway point for you? Because you're already fit, you're already dialed in with your diet. So have you noticed anything different as you try to follow along? Well, I'll tell you, those 100 rep challenges were pretty difficult. <laughs> so those haven't been, been, been super fun, but it's a nice way to finish a workout. And, um, and up to this point, I would say my biggest, um, I guess, struggle would be water intake. I, I, I mean, at, for me, I like to slam it early in the morning. And then I will just kind of forget about consuming water throughout the rest of the day. So I, I have to be a little more intentional with that. That's probably my biggest area that I need intentionality behind. But everything else up to this point is pretty rock solid. Um, and it's, it's, it's up to this point been pretty, pretty consistent with how I've been living over the last 10, 12 years. So nothing's, nothing's shaken me up too much. Sometimes I'll get to three over the course of a day, which 
that'll, that'll get me, if I do three a day, that'll get me to the, to the end of this thing, which is good. Um, so I think for me, that would be one thing I would share is just try to keep a water bottle with you and just try to take big gulps you know, every few minutes throughout the day, and you'll be surprised how fast you can get through it. You'll be peeing a lot, but it's okay. That's exactly right. <laughs> Sure. The jumping jacks, I felt great about the jumping jacks. I was going super fast, and it was like a big challenge for me to improve every day. In fact, I was texting you throughout those five days. That's right. Kind of bragging about my new PR. But then we got to the wall sits, and I couldn't believe how hard it was to just sit for 20 seconds. It was crazy. <laughs> and then the push-ups, it was like, man, once you reach a point of failure on push-ups, your shoulders are just done. You're so done. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah, so um, the the movement of a burpee is really getting to the ground and getting back up. That's that's the movement. So the whole focus is helping people learn that, like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna get on the floor and you're gonna get back up. And so that can be super difficult. But the scaled version is what I like to do is have them put their hands on the ground then step their feet back into almost a plank position, then step their feet back up to their hands, and then stand up. And to me, that is a, that's a good movement. That's a really good movement, and it is a proper scale for most people. The other option is doing the same thing, but instead of putting your hands all the way to the ground, Find some type of like box that's maybe 16, 20 inches that you can actually put your hands on and then step back and then step back up to the box and even do a little jump at the top. So you can elevate the ground by using a box as your reference point by putting your hands on and that kind of puts you off the ground, maybe 16, maybe 20 inches. But ideally, and maybe out of the comfort of your own home, you wanna just get to the ground and get back up. Like to me, that's a burpee in the scaled way. And, and so whatever that even looks like, even if it's you're on the ground and then you have to roll to your butt and then you have to go to your four hand, your, your hands and knees and then stand up. Hey, to me, that's a burpee. So getting to the ground, getting back up is a burpee um, in any way that's, that it's accomplished. Yeah, when we look at other people in the way they do a burpee and then they jump 30 inches into the air, it could be a little intimidating to look at that movement and say, hey, okay, well, I can't do that. But 
for the most part, everyone can get to the floor and get back up. It just may not look pretty. But if you do that repetitively, I promise you, you will develop an efficiency at getting to the floor and getting back up. And for me, that's where we all start with movement is can we squat? Can we get to the floor and get back up? Can we crawl? And if you can, hey, we're going to progress you. And so you don't have to be able to squat perfectly, front squat 300 pounds or deadlift a bunch of weight. It's all about just improving mechanics and movement over time. And everyone's got a different starting point. Yes. Guys who are now going to be able to do a hundred unbroken pull-ups by the end of this. That's right. It's not practical. The practical side is, hey, am I moving more? Am I eating better? Am I drinking less? Am I drinking more water? Like that's that's the thing. Right. It's awareness. That's got to be the biggest takeaway. That's right. And and the first level to any progression, whether it's business relationships, finances whether it's health, it's awareness, awareness of where you are deficient and then capitalizing on that deficiency by making a strategy or a habit in a different direction. And so the awareness is the huge part. That's right. Keep, you know, know where your money's going for 30 days. And it's amazing how much of that just gets piddled away. Well, it's the same thing with this. Once you start tracking these things and doing the journal and logging some of these Tabatas and all that, you'll be amazed at not only where you start compared to where you finish, but from day to day, how much you're going to get better. So I just want to encourage everybody to keep it up, keep up the great work. Um, it's, it's great to see well everybody's doing but then you know some of the things that are a struggle because i think those struggles are common so one of the other questions that we've gotten is on the sleep thing so some guys are some guys have said i'm sleeping better but i'm not necessarily sleeping more like i'm still i'm still unable to get past let's say six and a half hours before i just wake up i wake up feeling rested ready to go but the length of time that I'm asleep doesn't seem to be getting longer. So if the goal by the end is seven to eight hours, how do you get from six, six and a half to seven and a half, eight? 
Yeah, well, the, there's, a, there's a couple things to unpack there. The first is um, everyone needs a different amount of sleep based on okay. genetics. So some, some people can actually function really, really well off six and a half, seven hours of sleep. And some people need eight, eight and a half. And, uh, and so the first, the first thing I'd like to mention is as long as you're waking up consistently at the same time and going to sleep at the same time, that's the most important. Um, if you're waking up rested, that's a good sign that you're getting quality sleep. So even if it is six and a half, if you feel rested when you wake up, that means your body went through the proper sleep cycles. So I think that's important. Um, and then the other, the other component is um, if you're waking up in the middle of the night at maybe it's 3.30 or 4 a.m. and you can't go back to sleep, well, then what we're dealing with is too much stress in the body. And so if we're, if we're waking up too early than when we should be waking up, more than likely there's some unmanaged stress and cortisol production issues that will balance out over time. So continue to, to keep that set circadian rhythm of this is when I go to sleep and this is when I wake up will help you over time start to make the necessary hormones to keep your body asleep and wake you up at the proper time. So traditionally, I'm just going to say, hey, if you get six, six and a half hours of sleep, but you wake up rested versus someone who sleeps eight and a half hours and they wake up tired, I'm going to take that six, six and a half all day because they probably got better sleep overall. And that's one of the first metrics that you look at. And then the second metric is trying to extend that, that sleep window um, to a little bit longer. But hey, if you find your body is just going at six and a half, seven hours, then, then that's, that's good for you. You know, this is a generalized template for how most people should be living, but it's not a set standard for everyone. That's why there's no perfect diet. There's no perfect sleep routine. There's no perfect um, formula for every person to follow. And so that's why through this program, stacking these habits but developing awareness of what works best for you is the most important thing going forward. That's great. So before we leave the sleep thing, one question about the circadian rhythms. So I know, you know we've, we've talked about the amount of sleep and you alluded to it, how consistent bedtime and consistent wake time is important. Talk about the bedtime part just I know a lot of guys who are really erratic in when they go to bed. Like sometimes, okay, I'll put the kids down. I'm really tired. I'm going to be in bed by 930. Sometimes it's like, man, I've got a lot to do. We're out late. I don't get to bed till midnight or later. Or I just, I've fallen into a habit. I'm a young guy. I just, I'm a night owl. I go to sleep at 1230, 1 o'clock. So when there is that wide variance from day to day, week to week, talk about how much that's disruptive. Yeah, it's extremely disruptive, especially if we were to look at our um, pre-bed routine. We'll see how disruptive it is. And most of the time, what we're what we're doing is unhealthy habits, which is um, screen time, TV, and snacking. So those three habits stimulate the nervous system. And prevent you from going to sleep. So actually what I say is an hour before bed is when we should set ourselves up for sleep. So if we want to go to sleep and we've been going to sleep at 1130 and we say, hey, our goal is 11 o'clock. That means at 10 o'clock, 
we are already preparing for sleep at 11. And, you know, so over time, then we can start to go from 1030 then to 10, and then maybe even 930, 10, whatever it ends up being. But that hour before, no electronics, no snacking, no food. And preferably, we want to use that time with low uh, dim, dimmed light, maybe reading, um, studying, praying, um, doing our breath work. And those things will help your body shut down. See, it's hard to shut down a brain that's stimulated. It'll take you literally hours to, to shut it down. So I think it's all about setting yourself up for success rather than it's, oh man, it's late. I need to get to bed. And you realize it's already you know 11.25 and your goal is to get to bed by 11.30. Well, your brain's just not going to shut down that quick. So it's just setting yourself up a little bit more for success. And honestly, the sweetest spot for sleep is 10 to 2. So research shows between 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock is where you get over 70% of your actual sleep cycle where we get into deep sleep. So it is important that we get that 10 o'clock sleep window to 2, and that's when our brain really shuts down. And we get into that deep. If we don't go to sleep till 12, 1, we're missing out on that circadian rhythm. And then our brains don't ever really get into a deep sleep. And we stay in a lighter sleep. And then that impacts how well we recover into the next day. That's really good. Okay, so reading is great. Non-screen time reading. So reading a book. <laughs> so you're not getting that blue light. That's right. That's awesome. Last category, because we're coming into, um, in the next five days, we're, we're moving into day 45, which is our final 30-day stretch, and that involves no alcohol. So I think some of the struggle for some of these guys has been if they've regularly had a beer or had a drink or maybe indulged a little too much, they're not seeing the results so far that they've wanted because of not cutting alcohol yet. So, because I think for me, you know, when I started this, I decided I'm not going to drink the whole time. And so, part of what's helped me physically is, I'm sure, the fact that I haven't been drinking at all. So, we're coming into no alcohol. So, let's just kind of address the elephant in the room for a minute. Talk about not just why we're eliminating it for the, for the next 30 days, but talk about the just the dangers of it in general. Calories, stress, blood pressure, um, health risks, even if it's just a drink a day. So let's spend a minute just talking about alcohol. Well, here's, yeah, so let me tell you the crazy thing about alcohol. And this statement should summarize it all. At night, we burn fat. Okay. When we drink, it stops us from burning fat for up to 12 hours. So what happens is when you drink alcohol, the liver is impaired in its ability to do fatty acid metabolism, just burn fat. So alcohol has a caloric impact, but more importantly, it has a metabolic impact. Yeah. 
that's why we call it beer bellies, right? And so what happens is when we drink, we store fat around our midsection. It's actually the most unhealthy fat that we have is the beer belly because it's actually around all of your central organs and that's what makes the stomach protrude. So the dad bod beer belly is the most unhealthy fat on the entire body. And alcohol is the number one culprit behind it, alcohol and sugar. If you want to stop someone from burning fat for energy, you give them alcohol. It's going to do it. And so I I think you nailed on the head. When we eliminate alcohol, we improve our metabolism. And we don't even have to do, I mean, just eliminating alcohol, I've heard people drop 10 pounds in 30 days just by eliminating alcohol in and of itself. So when we... It's, and it's really not because of the calories alone. I mean, think of it. We get fat off of drinking, uh, what are they, ultra drinks, the Michelob Ultras or, you know, whatever the low-calorie, low-carb drinks are. It's not the, really the carbs that are the bigger concern. It's the alcohol itself and how that impairs metabolism. So these last 30 days, if you've been at a, 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 a kind of a stagnant um, point in your health journey, going through this process, you haven't lost the amount of weight you want, just get ready. When you eliminate alcohol, it'll start falling off of you because you're going to accelerate fatty acid metabolism and really make a big difference in overall how well your body is burning fat for energy. That's good. Well, I, I can't echo the point strongly enough. When I went to the doctor the last time, um, you know, I was at my probably unhealthiest in terms of weight, and she said, That's right. A lot of different kinds of cancers. Exactly right. Women, colon cancer, all kinds of cancers in men as well. So um, obviously, you know, the, the short-term benefit of the, the buzz is not worth the risk. And we all know that it's poison, right? But there is that euphoria and that feeling that comes from being with the guys and sitting around a fire and sharing a buzz. And it's, man, it's, it is difficult not to indulge because it's fun but man it's so important so guys i would encourage you for the next 30 days as we come into day 45 especially as we're moving toward easter you know there are some spiritual rhythms we need to get into as well so i just i just encourage everybody take this seriously because it is going to impact your health in a huge huge way yeah and for some people it's habit right they're just used to going home and grabbing something and chilling out so my recommendation is get some sparkling water. I know that sounds weird or a LaCroix or whatever it is. Maybe it's a kombucha if you develop the flavor profile for it. But it's sometimes just a habit thing as well. And so if we go home and immediately grab that sparkling water, it kind of satiates the moment of needing something to drink that's different than water or coffee or tea. And so my recommendation also is first... Get it out of the house so you're not tempted. And then two, 
bring something into the house as a replacement. And typically that's some type of sparkling beverage um, because that's going to be giving, get, you know, kind of satisfying the palate. Yeah, great question. I do get this actually quite a bit in my office. And um, and one of the big things that we have to realize is, first off, if we're skinny fat, it's important to get rid of the fat, even at the risk of being skinnier. And and so that's one thing that's important. Hey, if, if you're already lean, but a lot of it is fat, keep eating clean and get rid of that fat and trade some muscle mass. So you got to do some strength training. The second one is... More good foods, right? You just need to eat more protein and more healthy carbs. Yes. And I, honestly, when you look at calories, four calories per carb, per gram of carb, four calories per gram of protein, there's nine per gram of fat. So where I usually take someone is I build their nutritional profile off of clean protein, clean carbohydrates, but also I have them add fat with every single meal. So maybe that's an avocado. Maybe that's, you know, guacamole if you want it on your, you know, taco bowl, okay? Maybe uh, it's a bunch of olive oil sprinkled on your um, vegetables, or maybe it's a little bit of grass-fed butter in your sweet potato, or maybe it's a handful of walnuts or nuts or seeds. But that fat intake will a lot of times bring up that caloric need and support it that you just couldn't satiate with um, with a bunch of carbohydrates. Uh, you know, or protein is hard to eat. 100, 150 grams of protein a day. So a lot of times you're going to have to add in that healthy fat to make up for the caloric deficit that you're in. So kind of following like what I call a 40-30-30, 40% of your nutrition should be about carbohydrates, 30% protein, and 30% fat. And a lot of people are missing out on that fat because they think it's going to be unhealthy for them. But fat is not fat. The inability to burn fat will make you fat. And so at this point, if you're, if you're dialing in your exercise and you're running and you're working out and you're strength training, you need that extra seven, 800 calories coming from clean fats. So good. I think just just calming and using that as a time to pray, using that as a time to breathe and just settle your mind is great. I'm telling you, uh, the stories that we're going to hear at the end of this, 
That's I'm right. Excited to hear everybody's stories. So thank you again. We're going to check in again with you at the end, so we can do a final wrap up in about a month or so. But thanks again for all the programming, for all the encouragement. Your team and you do such a great job. So we're just so grateful. Oh, thank you so much. It is an it truly is an honor to serve the community. Awesome. Recording stopped.